It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 1990s are over. Finally, we wrap up the worst decade in Boston Celtics history right now on this Monday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Ooh, baby, this was a long haul, and these Boston Celtics are bad. <laughs> I'm John Corrales here at VazLive.com, mercifully ending our discussion of the 1990s Boston Celtics. It was not good. The Celtics go through, for the first time in their history, a true extended rebuilding. They swing and miss badly with Rick Pitino. They suffer some horrific tragedies. And now they are preparing to move on. So here are our final thoughts presented to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And you can now get $10 off your first order by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code Locked on $10 off your first order at builtbar.com with the promo code locked on for a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that gets you all of the protein that you want without the added calories, sugar, carbs, and all of that. The Boston Celtics now progressing into the 2000s. But first, final thoughts as we wrap up our discussion of the 1990s with. Chuck McKinney and Mike Dynan of RedsArmy.com. So things are going sour. It's 19, they're 1931. <laughs> they don't make the playoffs. They don't have a draft pick because of a bad trade. And that leads us into um, – so the following season is Patino's last season. Yes. So Patino is – he made that deal in 19 – that was the 1999 – yeah, that was – after the 1999 draft, that was the 1999 draft pick that he traded away. So the 99-2000 season is the beginning of our next series of discussions. Uh, but we do have, before we even, we'll, we'll do that later. We'll have that discussion later. We do have two years of Paul Pierce, or at least one year of Paul Pierce, his rookie season, where he, in that lockout year, Shows some promise, shows, you know, a little, you get a little flash of like, hey, Pierce and Antoine could be a thing. I mean, Pierce shoots 41% from three that season. He's, he's getting to the line. He's doing, he's rebounding. He's, he's playing like a dynamic wing. You, you start to see there's, there's a little bit of hope, even with all of the stuff around Patino. You look at Antoine and Pierce and say, hey, there's, there's something here. Yeah, Pierce. Um, I remember 
seen him play the first couple of games. I wasn't that familiar with him because I didn't really watch a lot of college ball uh, except for the tournament. And his team, Kansas, um, went out sort of early, actually. They they lost to URI, you know. Let's get the University of Rhode Island yeah. in there. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Imagine right. that, Kansas being upset by URI. But anyway, um, I hadn't seen Pierce play much until he was on the Celtics. And then when I saw what he could do, I got very happy very quickly because he, he was attacking the basket, like you said, and he could make a three. And that was, you know, threes were still, even then, not a premium. They weren't emphasized yet. Uh, but, you know, he said, hmm, maybe we got something here. And he's first team all rookie. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to see where he fell in rookie of the year voting. I don't know where he fell in rookie of the year voting. Who was the rookie of the year that year? I don't know. Vince uh, Carter. Oh, yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, you, you, you hear guys talk about, you know, Walter McCarty. So you could tell right away that, that the, he was going to be a great player. But at that point, there were like Pierce is, it takes a while for Pierce to become like Paul Pierce. And this is the thing that I really want to highlight. When, when we start talking about Paul Pierce, we can't be revisionist and be like this. We knew right away he was going to be this, this revered guy. We thought, hey, this guy could be a pretty good player. And him and Antoine together, that could be something. But there were a lot of maturity issues with with Pierce. There were a lot of maturity issues in the NBA in general around that time. The, this is a, a period of time where players are um, they're, they're coming out earlier. They're younger. So we're giving younger players even more money. Uh, we're, we're pretty close to uh, I think we, we do have some players starting to come out of high school around this time, right? Of course, Jonathan yeah. ben, Jonathan Bender was in that. He was a a high school kid in that. Um, no, that was the '99 draft. So in the '98 draft, uh, you had did McGrady come out? I don't recall, but anyway, but you have younger players that are are coming into the league. Uh, they're starting to make pretty good money. Uh, there's also the this is now hip hop is infused with the, with the NBA. The, the league personality takes a different turn. Uh, when you start getting like the Allen Iversons of the world are starting to come in. This is, these are young players who are embracing this hip hop culture. And we just talked about it in the eighties podcast where that was a, a culture clash. We're, we're talking about black versus white in, in the eighties. Now in the nineties, in the early two thousands, this is, this is a real shift. And, and I don't know if fans understood how to, how to handle it. There was some rebellion on the, on the part of players. And this is, this is a culture shift in the NBA that goes along with, with all of this stuff. And Pierce is part of it. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm like you. I'm trying to stay healthy. And Built Bar has become a part of my healthy routine. It is a protein bar that gives me delicious flavor. It really does taste like a candy bar. You can have one of 16 amazing flavors. There's chocolate with nuts. There's chocolate without nuts if you have a nut allergy. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. There are gluten-free options. They are soft. They're easy to chew. You can throw them in the freezer to get a different texture if you are so inclined. But these are delicious protein bars that you can eat in the morning to get nutrients into your body without a ton of calories. Or you can use them after a workout to give your body the protein it needs to repair the muscles that you have just worked, whether you're working out at home or if you're going out for a run. It's very important to get nutrients into your body immediately after a workout. This is a great option because the calories aren't going to erase all of the work that you did. All of these bars are less than 200 calories. A lot of them are like 170, 130, but you're going to get something like 15, 17, 20 grams of protein to repair the muscles that you have just damaged in your workout. Go ahead and compare them to any other protein bar on the market. You're going to see added sugars in those competitors, added carbs in those competitors, things you don't want in the competition. So go to BuiltBar.com. Dot com. Use the promo code locked on and you're going to get $10 off your first order. The promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Yeah, I do. I, I do recall um, exactly what you're talking about. It just, it just made me think of David Stern instituting the dress code, but I know that came several years later. Right, which was really just kind of a that was the reaction. To, that was the reaction right, to all of this several years later. But you, but you're right. You're you're kind of capturing it right. I feel like I think at least bringing it back to the Celtics, we were still we were still looking at Pearson Antoine, thinking we have a couple pieces. Patino was a still a hair on fire disaster, <laughs> but maybe we had some pieces that were still that were that were good enough, um, and that's what we were. That's what we were, what we were clinging to. I don't remember how intense the calls for Patino at the time were to either one leave or if two, we had started to hear grumblings that, you know, he wanted he wanted out, and those those may have started at that time. But yeah, the the players were younger. McGrady, I checked. McGrady came out 
in, in 98, the year before Pierce, and then Pierce's draft, it was Bender. And then before that, it was KG and, you know, Kobe the year before. So we were getting the, we were getting the younger players. It was, it was, um, it was definitely a generational shift in, in the league. So that, that season, Antoine Walker leads the, uh, the Celtics with just about 19 points a game. You got Ron Mercer, Paul Pierce. I think one thing that, that Paul Pierce comes in, he kind of like renders Ron Mercer, um, kind of obsolete at that point. And yeah. again, I, I was, I was a Ron Mercer guy. Like I liked Mercer. Uh, but at that point, he was, he had been, which with Patino, uh, he'd been with the Celtics for a full year, which is a long time with Rick Patino. So the, <laughs> Patino had the full year to evaluate him. It was like, you know what? Psh, we're done with you. So he ends up trading, uh, he ends up trading away Ron Mercer. And when was that? That was, was that 99, 2000? When did he get rid of Mercer? I, I lose such trade. I think August, it was. After 99. Yeah, after the 1999 season. So that offseason, Pierce comes in. It's like, hey, this guy's good. So they trade away Ron Mercer at that point. Uh, it's Ron Mercer, Popeye Jones, and Dwayne Shinsis. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> to Denver for Danny Fortson, Eric Washington, and Eric Williams. And Eric Williams is back. So. Hey. Eric, Danny Fortson. <laughs> so in August of 97, he trades Eric Williams to Denver for the second round pick that got them Chris Clack. And then two years later, he trades for Eric Williams. He gets him back in a trade two years later. Uh, and in a, a draft pick that ultimately became Kedrick Brown. That's going to be a fun discussion when we do the next. <laughs> uh, uh, so many failures. <laughs> listen, we, listen, we, we uh, can't mention Antoine's 1999 season without mentioning that he shot almost 37% from three. That, jacking up four threes a game. I mean, that is just obscene numbers. For 1998-1999. I mean, he only shot 41% from the field. <laughs> but from three, he was 37%. Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. He yeah. never shot the three as good as he did that season. <laughs> because he was a little bit more judicious. I mean, only he only took four threes per game that season. Uh, you get to <laughs> when... Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. His stat sheet is just a just a last. He, uh, he eventually started to shoot more threes because he realized he didn't want to go to the foul line. <laughs> That's right. He was not a good free throw shooter. No. So, um, this is a story I should tell in the 2000s, but because Chuck brought it up, I'll. I was at an airport, I forget where, and Jim O'Brien was getting onto my plane, like we were on the same flight to wherever we were going next. So I. I had to go say something to Jim O'Brien. And I asked the obvious question. So if Antoine Walker was in today's NBA, how many threes would he shoot? And he just started laughing. He was like, a lot. He would be shooting a lot of threes. Like, he'd probably be shooting like 10 threes a game at that point. He shot like eight 
threes per game at his quote unquote best. He did seven and a half, eight, seven and a half, three seasons there. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to get too deep into it because the two thousands are their own discussion, oh, but yeah, yeah. but it, it is funny that Antoine had that great shooting season where he shot 37, just about 37%. Uh, that that might have been what encouraged him the most to say, hey, I, shit, I can shoot this shot. Let's go do it. Uh, but whatever. He <laughs> he's he uh, he was ahead of his time, let's say. Uh, so we've we've now come to the end of the 1990s. Rick Pitino is still around, but at this point, it's he's he's got one full season left, and I think to Mike's point, the what's the what's the saying? The bloom is off the rose. Yes. So the Patino has made I think the DeClerc trade is is where people just really start to lose it because this, like you said, he he didn't get. It's not like you when you give up a player and a first round pick, you should be getting something significant in return. And he did not. And the moves certainly do not stop after that. He continues to make moves. They continue to fail. And, uh, he's just, uh, at some point it's, it's enough. He's had enough. And in our next era, our next discussions, we will look at the post Patino, uh, post Patino era and and moving into uh, the Danny Ainge kind of restructuring and the Celtics finally getting back on track. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. I just got back from a big road trip. And unlike people who download one or two audiobooks, I got myself the best of like a dozen books because I used the Blinkist app. Blinkist is really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways, need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and it condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to successful people, business leaders, Coaches, Brad Stevens, you know that he reads a ton of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you. You want to get the main points of a book 
quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during a commute, a drive, a lunch break, a workout. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. And it has a massive and growing library from self-help books to business to health to history books. Blinkist also has the latest titles from bestseller lists, so you can get classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had the time to do. With Blinkist, you can get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price right now. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only... When you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Final thoughts, guys, here as we look back at as our time uh, having grown up with this franchise, rooting for this franchise. Do you see the Patino era? Like, obviously, the Patino era was an unmitigated disaster. He was just in the Herald uh, yesterday, but we're recording this like on uh, Thursday, May 7th. He was in the Herald talking about, yeah, you know, I, I take full responsibility. I, I, I screw that all up. Uh, do you see this era as, even though it was a failure, like uh, a cautionary tale, lessons learned, something that maybe set the Celtics up of like, or is this just an unmitigated disaster and it, it's talking about it any longer just is not even worth it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worse than I remember. So I'm going with I'm siding with the unmitigated disaster, <laughs> the, yeah. the deals and the timeline. It's really it's just mind boggling that somebody um, who who just he he's a smart basketball guy, but the deals that he made were so mind boggling bad and impatient. Um, it's really worse than than I remember, and I'm sure we could pick through it even more. But um, I guess I guess yes, that's always going to be what I'm gonna what I'm gonna hold on to is how bad he was because expectations were sky high and he was so bad. Um, but there's a but to this, and that it's that we got Paul Pierce and he was a key part of getting us to you know the next championship, even though it was ten years later. So there's the tiniest of silver linings for me. I got to go along with Chuck. Um, <laughs> unmitigated disaster. No doubt about it. Um, it's incredible how Patino has had so much success in his career and then so many spectacular failures as well. I mean, and his whole time here was just frenetic and disjointed. And in the end, it, it made no sense. And it was because. We had the expectations. We were desperate. We had been through too many years of losing, relatively speaking. We're a fortunate fan base. And we expected Patino to, 
to be a, be the right in on the the white horse and save the day, and he did not. And man, I'm just glad that's over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can go through a lot of things that happen and say, you know, hey, I, I understand. Like when we talk about the Kendrick Perkins trade, pe- people will remember it as a disaster. But I understood it. And you don't have that with a lot of Rick Pitino's moves. There's no benefit of hindsight shedding some light on something. Hindsight makes it worse. (laughs) You know, (laughs) as you conduct the autopsy of the Rick Pitino era, you find like all sorts of other things like it's it just is as bad as you think as it was. The deeper examination makes it so much worse. And as much as I try to, I I, I can't find uh, other than that Pierce thing. There really is no redeeming quality to this. The man signed Dwayne Shinsis as a free agent. <laughs> In, in January 1999, he signs Dwayne Dwayne Shinsis and then turns around and trades him again in August. He, he can't even have any patience with Dwayne Shinsis. Oh my God! But he did bring us the Marty Conlon era, so I'm happy about that. Forgot about Marty. <laughs> oh boy. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking. Thank you for bringing me on board to relive possibly the most painful five-year span um, of the Celtics history. Thank you, John. I It, it might have been easier if I had just come up to your place, set up a ball on a tee, and took a driver and just, <laughs> just shot one right into your nuts. At least that pain would have subsided quicker. This This went on for hours. Oh, God. All right. Thank God we can laugh about it now. <laughs> All right, fellas. That was um, that was fun. Oh, yes. God. It really was worse. Holy shit. Holy shit. I, I'm going to start. like the, the worst of it all is that he signed Mark Blunt, but it wasn't until 2000. So I can't even. <laughs> I, he, he, he signed Blunt? Yeah. Yeah. He's your all time Celtic. He's your all time favorite. <laughs> I, I hate him. I I irrationally hate Mark Blunt. I, I gotta find him and bring him onto the podcast. <laughs> that what would you ask him? I don't know. I don't know if I could muster up a question. <laughs> I I just I don't know, like what's it like to to quit trying after you sign a big contract? Mm-hmm. What's that? Once you sign that contract, do you just stop giving a shit while you're signing it or <laughs> once you sign it? I mean, the next five years are pretty are pretty crazy, too. When you look at who comes and goes and the that they reach in the Eastern Conference Finals. And when, when does Ainge come on board? Ainge, when was he hired? I mean, he was, I, um, I think around like 2005, I'm guessing. 
So towards the end, yeah. But I'm just in my mind. I'm thinking about obviously you brought up Keedrick Brown and Jerome Moiso. Uh, you know, Chris Wallace comes on board. Uh, and Chris Wallace, you're... they trade Joe Johnson to make that run. But so there's so <clears throat> much happening. Then when Ainge yeah. comes in and Walker goes out and like the roller coaster, LaFrance comes in and like Ainge is rebuilding, but they're still still in salary. Like the next decade. Seven yeah. years is really tough too. Yeah, he comes Jesus. in. Ainge <laughs> comes in in two thousand three. He comes in in two thousand three. Wow! Yeah. So oh. Right after the, right after the final for a long run, time. Wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been around for a while. He comes in in two thousand three, and like has the balls in that October to trade Anton Walker. Yeah. So the next five years yeah. are pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Didn't take him long to. Um show that he didn't give a shit yeah no that's true he he had no reservations about anybody if he, if he would have traded mikhail and bird antoine walker is not safe by any means <laughs> that's true <Yeah. laughs> right oh god all right fellas appreciate it thank you all Thanks, okay. that was fun uh yeah we'll Thanks. Be, in, be in touch about the next uh the next era okay thanks thanks guys. see ya take care Every team has a low point. Every team has their rock bottom. For the Boston Celtics, as of right now, as we talk about this team in 2020, this 1990s decade is rock bottom for the Boston Celtics. And if you're watching The Last Dance, you heard the the reference to the 1990s Celtics the, the Bulls didn't want to be the 1990 Celtics. Well, the Bulls didn't suffer two tragic deaths in Len Bias and Reggie Lewis. The Bulls didn't swing and miss drastically at front office hires. Okay. The Dave Gavitt hire was just a, a big miss. And it, it wasn't until all of these things that went wrong for the first time in franchise history. These, these teams, uh, these Boston Celtics had horrible luck. This team has been so lucky up until the 1990s, really 1987, where the death of Len bias or 86, the death of Len bias up until these 1990s. But for the first time, the Celtics, go through a rough patch. When we resume our discussion, the 2000s, Paul Pierce finds himself eventually. Doc Rivers comes along. Danny Ainge comes along. Kevin Garnett comes along. Ray Allen, the big three. We finally, in Boston, get to see the return of Celtics pride. That entire discussion will now be forthcoming on this Locked On Celtics podcast. So please subscribe if you are not a subscriber. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whichever service you use. If you're on Spotify, follow the podcast. If you are a subscriber, a five-star rating and a good written review, please help us out here. Acknowledge the work being done on the Locked On Celtics podcast by giving that five-star rating by giving that good written review and helping this podcast 
remain the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the world. You made it happen. You can keep it there by continuing to give that five-star rating and a good written review. Again, please go to BuiltBar.com for $10 off your first order with the promo code LOCKEDON for a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is delicious. There are nut-free flavors. There are nut flavors. There are gluten-free options. There's something for everybody. You're going to get all the protein you want without all the added calories, without the extra sugar, without the extra carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first purchase. Now, go ahead and tell your smart device to play the next episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.